welcome back to Cancer Perspective. In the last episode, we talked about what's seen underneath the skin, the imaging. Today, we'll explore what's seen underneath the microscope, blood, tissue. As we talk about what's under the microscope, I throw out a lot of terminology just to get you started on listening to some of these words and trying to put them together only because you might hear them from your specialists and get you more in tune to the new language that you're learning. I don't expect you to understand all of it, but we keep circling back to the same words over and over again. And over time, you may even get your degree in medical terminology. So hang with me as we discuss very difficult topics to mention without using big, scary words that really just give you a description of what your healthcare team is seeing. The study of blood is hematology, and that's why oncologists often intersect with hematology. Hematology can be many benign issues, and I hope to circle back to some of those at some point. Today we'll talk a little bit about how hematologists and oncologists are detectives looking for specific things on a blood analysis report. The CMP, or the Complete Metabolic Panel, is a routine test done in primary care, and it gives an idea of what your liver health is, what your electrolyte balance is, how are your kidneys doing. It can give a lot of information to an oncologist. For instance, the calcium in a CMP, if it's extremely elevated, could signal cancer and may alert your primary care physician to send you to a hematologist or oncologist. Then there's the CBC, or the complete blood count. That's where the physician or healthcare provider is looking at your white blood cells. Those are also called leukocytes, and they are a huge part of your immune system. There's the red blood cells with the hemoglobin and the hematocrit. They tell you about how much oxygen is being carried in your blood. Is there iron present in enough quantity or too much iron? The report also can tell you about the membrane. Is it normal or normocytic? Is it too big for some reason, too small for some reason, microcytic or macrocytic? And then there's the platelets. The platelets are your blood clotters. If they are too high or too low, you can have some either bleeding or clotting issues. And there's the differential that also is on many of the CBC reports that breaks down into more information the leukocytes. You can also get a smear if something is seen as abnormal, and hematologists and oncologists love to look at smears. A smear might tell you that there's some sheared off red blood cells or some bizarre looking or just not quite normal cells within the peripheral or the the blood draw that you had, and that can alert anybody to, uh, to send you to a hematologist or 
uh, the hematologist might see something and then they might want to go look at your blood factory and that might take a bone marrow biopsy bone marrow biopsy is very similar to uh, drawing your blood out of a vein only you draw it out of your bone it doesn't sound so similar but it does take a special needle and usually is going into the top back of your hip inches away from your spine so it's not interfering with your spinal column or should not affect your ability to walk it does take some local anesthesia you usually don't need to be under general anesthesia unless there's some other pain issues going on it, the whole process can take less than 15 minutes from prep time to being done and you can pull out a sample of bone marrow made directly in that factory can tell you if well do you have some misbehaving leukocytes or white counts that are just hanging around being lazy workers or are you missing some workers and you just need some more help are they sick are they malformed is there something squishing out another guy uh, so there's a lot that can be seen under there and while they do that they can also get a core biopsy of the spongy part of the bone marrow and looking under that can give you things that they they call cytogenetics the looking at the cellular level of the fluid around the blood and so you can get a lot of information around that bone marrow biopsy and aspiration as they call it you can even do genetics testing or molecular testing off of that information and there's some tests called fish tests and no and you don't go fishing but it's uh, using very specific types of lights to look for cells that might be involved in different types of blood cancers like Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and myelodysplastic syndromes things like that oftentimes the person that is looking at the information of bone marrow biopsy might be a hematopathologist a pathologist specializing in blood so you will need specialists and the special dyes and uh, tests that they take may take up to 10 days to get those results back and then that brings us back to when we discussed imaging we also included the scopes and like the endoscope the colonoscopy the endoscopy the bronchoscopy um, when the light is going and looking inside at some tissue and during that time they can pick off a piece of the tissue if possible or washing some of the fluid around it and so you can get pathology or a biopsy or cytology from those tests as well so they can be looked at underneath the microscope by pathology so the pathologist looks under the microscope at this information as well with all of this you end up with the complete blood count report the complete metabolic panel report the pathology and cytology information from the bone marrow biopsy if you need one 
and then of course the pathology of the tissue and cytology information from the area of suspected disease. Also within your blood, your healthcare team might order a tumor marker to be drawn. So what's a tumor marker? It's anything that's produced by the cancer cells or other normal cells. Something that you may be aware of is the PSA or prostate-specific antigen. It's made by the prostate cells, but for some reason with cancer, it can seem out of control. And if a normal level is less than four, and a man tested has a level of 12, that might lead to a prostate biopsy to see if it's cancer that's causing that elevation. Now there are other things that might cause that elevation and we can talk about that um, in a future episode about prostate specifically, but the purpose of tumor markers are to sometimes assess how aggressive a cancer is if a certain kind of treatment may be helpful or a cancer might respond to a certain plan of care. It's most commonly used to follow the course of treatment. So not every cancer has a tumor marker, but there might be something to follow. Um, The breast cancer patient might have a CA2729. It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything except for CA stands for cancer antigen and then the number. And it's just specific to breast cancer. A doctor may draw that after they know that a patient has breast cancer and it might come out normal. Well then, that number is not going to be effective for following for that patient and they may never see that level drawn again. If somebody with pancreatic cancer has a CA199 drawn and it's way elevated or, or too high and highly suggestive cancer and they say, okay, well this, uh, we're going to follow this number um, to watch how effective treatment is. And when the CA19-9 gets down to a more normal number, they might watch that to see if it starts to rise again. I call that putting the lid on the disease and watching for that lid to start wiggling off. If it starts wiggling off, maybe treatment needs to be changed or adjusted. Or maybe it's just time for another scan and see what's going on on the inside. So why don't we do tumor markers on everybody as a matter of wellness? Unfortunately, they're not specific enough. The closest one that we have is the PSA that sometimes you can catch soon enough that it can be effective to to follow and identify patients who might be developing prostate cancer. Outside of the oscopies, the pulling of the the tissue or blood to develop a pathology report, you can have a surgical biopsy or a needle biopsy. A needle is just what it says. You stick the needle through the skin, pull out a piece of tissue or the fluid around the, the tissue that again is the cytology 
and examine that under a microscope. Common places to stick needles in for biopsies might be the breast or the prostate or the liver. Then there's the excisional biopsy. That's opening up an area and uh, a surgeon going in and taking out hopefully the whole specimen that they see that's used for if there's one area that can be removed easily. And then there's the incisional biopsy, and that's where they take a sample of whatever lesion or mass that is seen. So once that is done, then um, whatever tissue sample or blood sample or fluid sample, cytology or um, all these bizarre words, they have to set them in something so it can be sliced and, and viewed very specifically and sometimes even shared from one place to another. So oftentimes uh, it, it's put in paraffin and then sliced. Um, sometimes a tissue sample is frozen and sometimes uh, tissues are separated so that you send one slice off to be dyed and another one with a different set of dyes to look for very specific types of things. So with all of that, you come up with a pathology report. So what's a pathology report? It's a bunch of gobbledygook that um, actually gives a whole bunch of information about exactly what is being dealt with so that the final diagnosis and ultimately uh, lead to staging and a plan of care. The pathology includes a gross description. No, that doesn't mean yucky. It means what the pathologist sees with the naked eye. And then there's the microscopic description and what do they see when they're looking at it closer underneath a microscope. And then hopefully they come up with a diagnosis, the type of tumor or cancer cell. They grade it and how abnormal or normal it looks and how aggressive it appears to be, how different. So if it's a breast cancer cell, does it still closely resemble a normal breast cancer cell or is it way different. They measure the tumor size, um, usually in centimeters or sometimes millimeters, and then they watch the margins. So if a slice that they're looking at under the microscope, they can find that, oh, well, the tumor goes all the way out to the end. Well, then that's positive margins, meaning they did not get it all. And then there's negative, where, well, we didn't see any tumor cells out to the very ends of the sample that they gave. But how far away was the nearest cancer cell? Um, So that's extremely important to say what needs to be done. Do they need to scoop out that area a little bit more to make sure that there's no cancer cells in the surrounding tissue? Sometimes it says, oh, well, Maybe we need to do extra surgery. Maybe we need to do extra radiation. So that is with close margins where they have to decide, well, what comes next? 
Also, the pathology report will tell you, has this sample been sent anywhere else? And sometimes that's extremely important when you're getting an opinion from a specialist in a different facility to give their opinion on what this looks like to them. So a cell that looks extremely abnormal, the pathologist might want a cooperating pathologist to re-review this. I live in a Midwestern town that has a couple hospitals. One of the hospitals sends their pathology reports that need um, more comments or questions. They send that to Mayo. And the other one sends that to a very respected comprehensive cancer center in a large city. So your pathology report might take a while to get all these pieces back together. The purpose is to determine where the cancer started. Is it a carcinoma, a adenoma, a sarcoma, squamous cell versus small cell versus non-small cell. These are all just words that help describe exactly what you're going uh, to need treatment for. It's a very complex report, a comprehensive report, and used to help guide your team on what to do next. It is important for you to get a copy of your report and read it yourself. When you have questions, bring it to your cancer team and they'll help you interpret what is being said and why they are recommending certain plans of care. So this, again, has been a very complex discussion this is all to help you understand why the process takes as long as it does, where it leads you to, and what questions to bring to your team when you meet them or as things are being brought up to you. We'll discuss in our next episode staging and grading and what that means to you and your plan of care. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you will return again and please submit any questions or comments so that we can fine tune our content for you. Take care and spread kindness.